I'm Kevin Hillier. Welcome to Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. And today you'll meet Fleur MacDonald, a very successful author. 650,000 books she's uh, she sold, not written, sold. <laughs> she's written 18 or 19 books. We we're going to find out exactly what that number is. Uh, terrific uh, interview with Fleur coming up. Uh, we will talk about, uh, obviously, this new book of hers, which is Deception Creek. Uh, again, in the uh, the area that she writes is, uh, is crime. It's rural fiction. Uh, she's been dubbed the voice of the outback. So they are terrific books uh, in great settings, great little communities and uh, with really strong female characters, really strong characters and a terrific uh, uh, male character in this one too that she's uh, been using through a few of her books uh, and pops up again in this one and also in the, the one she's working on at the moment. And she'll also talk about an author experience uh, that I think uh, anyone who's ever written a book or had a book published uh, or, uh, you know, been in that area would just love to have had the experience that she had. Fleur will tell us about that uh, a little later on. A reminder about uh, our podcast partners, the terrific people at CSCG. Uh, they're there to help you get peace of mind with your finances. And that can be all sorts of areas, whether it is superannuation, whether it is a tax situation that you might have, uh, whether it's uh, you're looking at investing somewhere or borrowing or what do you want to do with your financial picture Uh, they can help you put it all together. They have experts in all the fields and they're there ready to have a chat to you to find out what it is you want and how they can help you uh, get what you want out of your financial situation. 9974 8333 is their phone number or give them a call. Uh, Give them a call on that number. And of course, uh, the other alternative is to jump on the website. Do that and find out uh, all the services and the people you'll be dealing with. cscg.com.au. Let's meet Fleur McDonald, the author of the book, Deception Creek. Thank you for okay. being on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really looking forward to having a yarn. Because you're obviously very busy. Uh, is this your 18th or 19th book? Uh, yeah, good question. I think it's my 18th that's been published and we're editing my 19th at the moment. Oh, wow. So, uh, I mean, you're obviously prolific. Do the books fall out of you if, if you know, want of a better expression? <laughs> uh, look. I don't, it's funny, um, I think when I first started writing, it was much easier then than what it is now. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is there was no expectation back then. You know, I didn't have, um, I didn't have a readership. I didn't have a huge, well, the, when Red Dust was published, it was the first book of its kind published by Alan Unwin. So there was absolutely no expectation. And now, you know, like 18 books later, there is an expectation, but there's also um, a difficultness in keeping your voice fresh and uh, and not stale and unique. Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of um, things that do make it a bit harder. The ideas always come thick and fast, and, but I will say that there is nothing more frightening uh, and uh, 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 with the ability to bring on imposter syndrome than staring at a blank word document knowing that you've got to write 100,000 words and you've got to make them all make sense. Yes, you talk about uh, in in one of the uh, see the front or the back of the book. I can't remember which one. Uh, to to your kids, you talk about uh, that needing one hundred and fifty thousand words to finish it off is you know the height of anxiety and you're probably not the, <laughs> probably not the nicest person in the world to be around at that particular point of time. Oh, like, I'm, it's still very very nice. Like, let's not get this wrong here, Kevin. I still am very nice. It's just, uh, it's just that I tend to be um, a little distracted, 
And, uh, you know, if they're expecting me to get their dinner, I've got another thing coming. Exactly. Anyway, at 20 and 21, they should be able to get their own dinner. <laughs> Absolutely. When did, it, when did it occur to you that this was a genre of writing that, that you could not only write a book about but, you know, finish up with, you know, a, a body of work that's incredibly impressive? Uh, look, I don't know that I ever really thought too much in front of uh, the first book that I wrote. Yeah. Uh, I knew that uh, there was a sort of a, certainly a hunger for this type of book, but because you know uh, Rachel Treasure had just done so well with Dillaroo, uh, and that's when I realised I could write a book about this. You know, up until then, there probably hadn't uh, been anything really written about, you know, strong female characters on farms. There's certainly been, you know, like lots of farming books around. Tony Parsons had, you know, uh, published quite a few. Uh, But, you know, I was living this life that people wanted to know about. So, yeah, and I could write about it. come from a reasonably long line of storytellers. So, you know, that in itself made um, made the thought of writing a book. Look, I think when I sat down to write Red Dust, I was naive enough to think that I could get a book published. I didn't know that how difficult it was, the ins and outs. And if you take all of that away, you just get down and do it and have a go. And yeah. so that was sort of how, how that all came about. So You said yeah. you're, you're living a life that a lot of people wanted to know stuff about, but you yourself probably didn't think it was anything special at all. It was just what you did, I, I imagine. No, I don't think anybody that lives the life that, you know, that we live out here in the bush think that their life is particularly special, it's different. You know, we all think, we all say that there's um, a, a massive gap between, you know, the country and the city and, and to a point there is, but look, I think um, we all love it, most of us love our jobs, we do what we do and nobody understands each other's jobs until you actually get inside and, and put those, that person's shoes on. Yeah. Deception Creek, if this is the first Fleur McDonald book that someone picks up, is it indicative of, of, of your writing style, of, of the language that you use, of the kind of people you write about? Uh, yes. It also is absolutely indicative of the fact that I like to push boundaries and not necessarily conform to what is expected uh, within these types of books. Yep. Uh, so there is some stuff in there later, later on in the book that I know people have had a bit of a gasp factor over and that's perfect. That's what I intended for it to be. And again, that pushing the boundaries is uh, the reason I do that is to try and keep my writing fresh and, you know, I don't want people to pick up Deception Creek and think that they've read it two books previously which yep. was different characters in that. Yeah. One character that is in this one that has become a bit of a recurring character in your books, he was in your first book and uh, then he had his own little series and now he's popped up in this one is Detective Dave Burrows, who's obviously near and dear to your heart as a character. <laughs> yeah, Dave um, Dave was there when, yes, when everything first started off with Red Dust and he rated a bit of a mention in Purple Road and then again in Silver Cloud. Uh, I think he was mentioned in Crimson Dawn just very briefly as well, but Emerald Springs was really when he came into his own uh, and it was funny because the, the story behind Emerald Springs came from a conversation that I had with my dad, who was a treasurer for the Carrollton Rodeo Committee in Carrollton in the mid-north of South Australia. And they were talking about how uh, they, you know, dad would take all this money home in the back of the car. And, uh, you know, he's going through 
hilly country, deep creeks, big, large gum trees, you know, typical Flinders Ranger stuff. And I said to Dad then, yeah, what happens if you get carjacked? And he said, Dad, oh, gave me that look that my parents have been giving me ever since <laughs> I was a little girl when I'd overstepped. My imagination had gone too far. And he said, that's never going to happen, Flair. And I said, oh, well, maybe not, but I can make it happen. So I needed a detective when Amelia was carjacked very early on in the piece. Yeah. And I, I guess, um, I, I guess in a way, I, I, like, I don't think it was laziness that made me bring Dave back into it. I suddenly just went, I've already got a fully formed character here. I might as well throw him into the mix. And then suddenly there was all this outpouring of love for Dave. And yeah, we decided, you know, at, at when I, so Emerald Springs must have come out in about 2014 or somewhere around there. I might have been writing that in 2014 and that was when my marriage broke up and I needed to, you know, have an income that was going to support me and the kids. And, and I went to Alan and Munlin and asked if I could write two books a year and that's when the early day series sort of came into being. There's okay. been, certainly been some um, rumblings about how good Dave was around the place and yeah. we thought, well, let's make, let's make the most of that and give him his own series. Well, he's the most likable character. I mean, he's a, a most Australian likable character too. He's a very flawed, but at the same time, perfect man. And I have quite a few hilarious conversations with my readers about they say that they want to marry him, and I say, "Well, they <laughs> need to get his, their hands off because I created him, so I've got first dibs." Um, but uh, look, in his early series, he's certainly hot-headed and doesn't always follow the um, – he follows rules, but he doesn't – he gets frustrated with the rules. And, you know, he's got two great mentors in Bob Holden and Spencer Brown that, you know, that, that sort of keep him on the right path and, and make him who he is today because today, in the present day, like in Deception Creek, he is fairly grounded. He still pushes the boundaries for the right outcomes, but he's nowhere near as hot-headed. And he's suddenly this great mentor for – his sidekick Jack um, Higgins, who so suddenly Dave has gone a full circle from being, you know, um, the guy that's been that's still on the in detecting and on the force and being mentored by these two really great old cops yeah. to being uh, a mentor himself. Um, building characters like Detective uh, Dave Burrows and uh, and the other characters that are in this book. You can, I, I understand how that works because most writers have a similar kind of way of building that and the way they, they build the characters. How do you build a town? How do you build a, a little community that they all live in? Where does that come from? Uh, so I grew up in a little town called Oruru, which is the base of the yep. Flinders Rangers, and there's 551 people at last census count living there. Right. So they are a melting pot of um, different cultures, different beliefs, different, you know, um, uh, different people and, and bringing strangers into the town, you know, you've, you've always got a, a, a circle of strangers, I suppose, rotating through the town because you've got teachers coming in, you've got the new doctor, you know, but then there is the core of the people that have lived there forever, their parents have lived there. So, you know, just harnessing what I know about living in country areas, Um you know, you've got your Esme Watson, who's just loved peering through the curtains and finding out what's going on. You've got your fella that always sits at the end of the bar watching the TAB. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I guess that happens in any town, but, you know, 
very obvious in country areas. Uh, and everybody is intertwined and interlinked and, um, and basically knows everybody. Yeah. Um, did you really bury a chop in the backyard for three weeks to see <laughs> how body decomposes? Yeah, I did. Oh. I did. So, I, so I've got a mate in Perth who used to head up the stock squad in Perth and he's a detective. He's not, um, he's not a detective anymore, but he, but he was. And uh, he he's still in the force. He, um, I said to him one day, you know, I'm, especially in Deception, uh, oh, no, sorry, not in Deception Creek, what, uh, in the book that's coming in April next year, there is a body that has to be dug up. And I said to him, you know, what is, um, what does the body look like when it's been in a shallow grave for, you know, X amount of time? Yeah. And he just said, well, go and bury a chop in the backyard and dig it up. So I had to bury that side of the boundary of my – or well, in the back part of my property because I've got two dogs and I knew that they'd dig it up. I was so, going to say, you've got a Kelpie and a Jack Russell. The chance of having a chop in the backyard for three weeks is really highly suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had it uh, – I took it over the back fence and put it in what was still my place but not where the dogs can get to. So, yep, I did that. I buried it about, oh, I don't know, about um, – a uh, couple of foot down, I suppose it was. Yep. So yeah, and I actually ended up burying a roast, not a not a chop, because a chop would, I imagine, decompose a lot more quickly than uh, than a actual body would, because it's just such a smaller piece of meat. So I buried a roast. Yes, well, I, I don't know if a forensic scientist is going to come and uh, you know challenge on that, but I'm, I'm, in the context of the book, I don't think it's probably going to be a big thing. Um, did you <laughs> did, did you kind of uh, when did you get the feeling that rural fiction, as it's referred to, is as the genre that you write in now, was a thing? Oh, well, uh, really, very early on, um, because. Rachel, like I said before, Rachel Treasure had put Jillaroo out, and that was a couple of years afterwards that my book came out, uh, Red Dust. And in very quick succession after that, Fiona Palmer brought her first book out, and Nicole Alexander brought her first book out, and we are all within that rural lit genre. So it was really clear very early on that, um, like I said before, there was a hunger for this, and it suddenly became this um, rural genre and I think um, a lot of people call it rural romance but that's yeah. sort of not where I I think there you know there, there is this umbrella of rural books and you know there's offshoots there's subcategories of it there's rural romance there's uh, rural suspense there's um, you know other other sort of subcategories in there so yeah I don't particularly fit under the rural romance category um, but you know after I think at its height I counted something like 36 girls, and, and there's a couple of blokes, writing in this particular genre. So, you know, it's very clear these days that it's there and it's, and it's uh, well entrenched and the Australian reading community like it. So, yeah. you know, we're all very lucky. Deception Creek is my first uh, book of, of yours that I've, I've, uh, I've read. Um, you strike me as, uh, when you talk about rural Roman, yours is much grittier than that. Yeah, well, I hope so. I guess um, past life experiences doesn't stand me a very good stead for writing romance. And uh, I sort of think that, you know, there's, I, I'm happy enough to talk about uh, relationships that are strong and healthy and already established rather than that really early, heady, um, those early, heady times when, you know, you don't really know anyone particularly well and things could go horribly wrong. So, 
Uh, I like the crime. I love reading crime. I love writing, uh, watching crime on TV. Um, but crime for me is very safe. You don't have to deal too much with crime except horror. <laughs> for me, that's a, that's a very safe place to be. Um, the romance stuff sort of, uh, often can, it just doesn't fit very well with me. And there's not very much romantic about the country either. You know, I watch these shows like Farmer Wants a Wife and, and the, the picnics on the creek or up the hill or something like that. And I think, well, you know, I, I don't know any farmer that's got time to do that sort of thing. But sort of a really unrealistic view of what we do out here. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, uh, anyone who's spent any time in the country at all knows that that is the most unrealistic depiction of what actually happens. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, know, harvest time at the moment, you'd be lucky to see your husband or your partner half an hour at night when he comes home, when he shovels some tea down his throat and walks through the shower and goes, falls into bed and snorts. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's more sun, it's more Sunday too far away than it is bachelor want a farmer wants a wife. That's right, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a fabulous line in uh, in the in this book that I think kind of sums up what it's all about. Uh, it, uh, you said uh, I think it's Emma's character whose dad said to her, "If there's dirt in your veins, you can't wash it off." Uh, does that does that describe your experience as as well as the the you know the character in the book? Yeah, certainly very true for me. Very true for me. Very true for a lot of the farmers that I know. There, there are certainly farmers that can uh, that have got that have done it for a job that have loved it, but uh, that but you know have just gone you know they've hit sixty or sixty five and just gone. There actually is more to life than this, so they'll sell their farm and go off, and they can do that quite comfortably. But you know, for the people that uh, have a connection to the land and absolutely adore what they do, you, know, you get dirt in your veins, and it just doesn't leave you. Do you fall in love with the characters in your books in a in a certain way? I mean, a character like Emma in in Deception Creek is that a character you you fall in love with? A, a character like Joel, who's so flawed in in this Deception Creek one and, and looking for redemption. How, how, what's your relationship with the characters that you build for your books? Well, obviously, I'm in love with Dave. I wouldn't have written Dave without you know having some type of love for him. Goes, and goes without saying that one. Yep. Yeah, and. Um, and I actually really fell in love with Joel a little bit as well. Yeah. Emma's character for me was incredibly difficult to write because she was just so difficult to um, to settle into this book. I, I thought she would be very easy because I gave her a lot of the emotions I felt when um, I got divorced. I um, So I thought, you know, this will be easy. You know, she'll have those same reactions that I had and uh, she'll do the same types of things. She just didn't. She rebelled against everything that I wanted her to do and she tended, she was very, in the first draft, she was very cardboard. We had to do a lot of work to fill her out and make her um, make her a lot more genuine character to what she was when I first submitted the draft and I knew that when I had put her in but I, yeah, I really loved writing Joel. He just seemed to his story was very easy and, um, and you know, he'd been through a lot of trauma in his life and uh, just been in the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess, for some of it too. So he, uh, he, but he was very easy to write. Um, and I always do have one character that I have a lot more sympathy for than, um, than some, one of the others, for whatever reason that is. But, you know, you've still got Jack and Zara and Kim who are also staples in this present day um, book, and 
you know, I love going back and hanging out with them. And Zara's another one who's sort of, she's had her own time in the sun in, in, as a main character in the book, in a book, uh, um, starting from now, I think it was. And she, going back to visit her and, uh, just create, to, to expand on her character and to expand on hers and Jack's relationship is good fun because in time, you know, they will be probably main characters themselves in yeah. some type of, in some type of book. Someone who's uh, standing in a bookshop with a copy of Deception Creek in their hand, what, what would you, if you're standing next to them and they've got it in their hand, what would you say to them about the book? If they said, what do you reckon? <laughs> I've actually, um, I have only ever done that once and uh-huh. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like it. This lady, so I went on a camping trip in July this year all up through the Pilbara and the Gascoigne of uh, WA and I went, um, I went by myself just to do a bit of research for book, this next book that I'm writing. And I was sitting there talking to some a uh, couple of ladies on the edge of um, the Murchison River and were talking books. And they didn't know who I was, what I did, anything like that. Didn't, uh, they only knew my name was Fleur. And she was talking, this one lady was talking about this book that she had just read that was set in South Australia, had a detective, and she really... Uh, it was a it was a rural crime book. It wasn't a romance. And I said, "Oh, who wrote that book?" And she said, um, "Well, I can't remember the author's name, but, but it was set in the Flinders Ranges in South Australia." And I said, "Oh, okay, because there's not too many people that set books in South Australia um, in the in the Flinders that are crime books." Yeah. And I um, and I said, "I said to her, what was the town called? That or what was the book about? What was the town called?" I said, "It was the town called Bartha. And she goes, "Yeah, yeah, that's it." And I just looked at her and I said, "I wrote that." And I have <laughs> never done that before in my life. And she just about fell off of her chair. And so, I, it, as it was, I actually had a couple of books with me that she had read, so I gave them to her. And um, yeah, it was it was the funniest thing. So I don't know what I'd say to somebody if they had my book in their hand. I'd, I don't know whether I could approach them or not but that was just one of those really bizarre situations where I was quite comfortable in saying that because you know we had a couple of wines and we're all bonding over the uh, over camping and (laughs) all that sort of stuff. That's a beautiful story that's fantastic that's that's every author's dream isn't it? Yeah it probably was I was a little bit um when I'd actually worked out there was no there was no way that any other person had written that book up that she had read other than me (laughs) <laughs> that was like, oh wow, this is really cool. No, that's uh, that's fantastic. That's uh, that's fabulous. Hey, look, congratulations on your on your body of work and uh, and this uh, new book is terrific. Uh, and good luck with the one you're working on now. And thanks so much for spending some time. It's been a, a delight to catch up. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate your interest. Thank you. Thanks to Flo McDonald and uh, her new book, uh, that is Deception Creek, that we talked about today. That's the latest one that's out, and she has a new book slated for release at the end of March called Rising Dust. That's one she talked about in that interview. But get your hands on Deception Creek. It's a good read. I'm sure you'll thoroughly enjoy it. And thanks to Fleur for uh, uh, giving us uh, her time, and also thanks to Alan and Unwin, her publishers, uh, for setting all that up. I uh, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Authorised Podcast. We've got plenty more great authors in back episodes. Uh, please jump on uh, wherever you found uh, this particular episode of the podcast. Jump on and have a listen back to some of the earlier episodes, some uh, really terrific stories from some great 
great authors, and I'm sure you'll enjoy them. Thanks once again to our podcast partners, CSCG. Two ways to contact them on the website, cscg.com.au. There you can have a look and find out what they're all about, see who you'll be dealing with, and then just jump on the phone and give them a call on double nine seven four eight triple three double nine seven four eight triple three. They'll look after you, and they'll make sure that your financial picture is as uh, as rosy as you can have it in uh, the year 2022. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Take care of yourself. Thank you.